somewhere throughout the way I realized that maybe doing so much stuff all the time is not what I want, you know? That maybe there is, that what I want is basically what would a lot of people disregard now as simple life. Because in reality, what I want, you know, some uh, as like central point of my life has to be the simplest one. gentlemen welcome back to another episode of creative contact um i'm here with a friend that i, I met not too vadim. long ago vadim yes uh vadim uh met in chiang mai at the digital nomad coffee club and so vadim pretty much uh you know like we were talking let's let's take it all the way back if you're comfortable with that and sort of talk a little bit about um where you're from and sort of where you grew up stuff like that uh Thanks, uh, thanks for the question. It's nice to be in your podcast. Uh, so basically my story is just like anybody else. And uh, even though it's not that exciting, but I think any person could scratch so much stuff about their life, so much interesting stuff, if you're just willing to listen. Right. Uh, because life is so so freaking diverse <laughs> so basically, coming back to your question yeah I, I grew up uh, I was born in Russia I was born in Russia and uh, my father was uh, my father was Russian and my mother is Ukrainian and uh, at that when they met they were separated by 10,000 kilometers so my Damn. father was working in Kamchatka which is basically really 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 close to, to US it's like it's just like over the ocean, you get the west coast of the United States. It's the east, one of the most eastern par parts of Russia. Yeah. Uh, and my mother was just on the west of Ukraine, which is basically like lots and lots of kilometers in between them. And somehow, somehow they met in between. Well, uh, and first they moved to Russia, and that's where I was born. So I was born way, way back in the east. And then they decided that, you know, the, the place where I was born is the place where they have a lot of volcanoes. So basically, you yeah, get that's not fun. Not like you know, not not like the one in Pompeii. So <laughs> yeah. the city still survives, but still you get the that's, you're surrounded by by volcanoes yeah. first of all, and then the weather is so ridiculous that during the winter you can get like five meters of snow. So so you you get like you get Damn. these five story buildings, and the snow in between the buildings reaches the second floor. So there's a window in the second what? floor, and the the snow goes even higher. So. Dude, I mean, that's. <laughs> I thought we were serious in New York about the winter. That's next level that's, shit. I mean, dude. that's Russian shit. In, in some places in Russia, uh, like Siberia stuff, when you spit, the spit freezes, gets frozen before it reaches the before it reaches the ground. Oh so, my I mean, yeah. god, dude! No wonder you're out here traveling. <laughs> Yo, get me out of here. I Yo, actually. Uh, so uh, my parents left the place where I was when I was uh, one year old, basically. So I don't mm. remember much, but I still see the photos and the videos and yeah. stuff. But the thing is, I grew up in um, I grew up in Ukraine, mm. in the west part of Ukraine. So that's a. Uh, sometimes I get astonished by how different that world is. So. Speaking of which, for as an American and for a lot of my listeners too, who are my homies and family, um, who will probably have no idea it, th what Ukraine is like, and for you it probably seems second nature. It's home. You're like this stuff is so boring. Enlighten me and the American listeners a little bit. What's that place in Ukraine like? Where you're from? Like, is it? We only have what our stereotype is from like like mobsters and movies and shit. <laughs> Just like it's cold. You guys are tough. 
you're, you know, you're smart, you're good at engineering. Like, those are just stereotypes <laughs> as Americans we have. What, what's it actually like? Where you're from. I think those were Indians who are good at engineering. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not you, great Indians. Uh, but, well, the point is that uh, the stereotypes that you have are more, like, basically about Soviet Union, right? It's not specifically about Ukraine, it's Soviet Union, and it's exactly like what you get from watching those movies. Oh. And uh, the Soviet Union there is more associated with Russia, which basically right. is true because Soviet Union was just another cover name for Russian Empire. So it basically was Russia who yeah. earlier conquered some, some lands. But yeah, Ukraine is so, so much different in terms of just that part of the world. Just imagine uh, I guess it's super hard to explain because I tried to, before coming here to Asia, I tried to explain like how it really looks like, you yeah. know, and you can because you're in the box of what you saw. I mean, right. I saw I saw Ukraine, I saw Europe, I was in States before, but when you're going to Asia, you're like, how is it going to be? And you have no idea. I mean, I was taking a plane from Sri Lanka to Cambodia and I had no idea where I'm going to end up, you know, yeah. how it's going to actually look. So I don't know if you can explain it, but the thing is that the, we can talk a lot about you know like about economy about society but what amazes me the most uh, and I actually got to understand that when I went to US and spent uh, the whole summer in US that's what we were talking like a couple of minutes ago how huge the mentality gap is so how different the it mentality is. yeah the mentality of people oh. in in Ukraine and in US of oh. course I didn't get the whole picture in the US so I stayed on the East Coast right. so I was told many times but by a lot of US people that East Coast people are nicer and more you know I'm biased being an East yeah, Coast yeah. no it is you know it's interesting that that was the that was the but people told you because often I feel like the the um, stereotype that we get of the East is that we're the more kind of busy. It's cold, a little bit uh, tougher on the around the edges compared to like the stereotypical like surfer or entertainment sort of like West Coast vibe. But yeah. you know that's something that I'd love to touch on. What you said, delve in a little bit about what do you t talk about the mentality difference between the people in Ukraine and the states that you saw since you've experienced both of them. Yeah, so uh, that's I mean that's one of the I think one of my most the, the topics that interest me the most actually about my trip to US so just just a little side story so I was in US uh, I, I spent um, the whole summer there like three and a half months and I, I was working there I was a waiter as I said in IHOP no the, yes, <laughs> no please for the listeners elaborate yeah. on that because that's a crazy story I was, I was working in IHOP and I, I don't know I just love saying that because when a US person hears that I was working in IHOP she's like she gets so you know so excited and yeah. so happy about it no IHOP six days a week yeah full time yeah. and you didn't hate it which is crazy I would have shot yeah. myself so, so like you asked about mentality and working as a waiter I was amazed that I think 95% of people that I served there as a waiter would try to approach me and talk to me. You know, it was, it was never just, you know, bring food and bring drinks and stuff. Uh, as soon as I finished their order, they were like, oh, you have a, such a nice accent, where are you from? And it was, it was, so na it was like second nature to them. Yeah. Yeah. And I was, so, I was so unused to that because in Ukraine, uh, as part of the Soviet legacy, Soviet Union legacy, and it's the same throughout the whole like territory and like Russia as well, and Ukraine and Belarus and some of the stunned countries that were part of the Soviet Union. Soviet Union was very, 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 very. I could say I can't say 
individualistic in reality because now theoretically, theoretically it was different, but what people learned from Soviet Union is that you have to stay on your own. You can only rely on yourself. Oh. And the, the next thing is you don't show off. Like you don't oh. go besides behind the boundaries that were set for you. And your boundaries are work and your home maybe some friends that's it but you don't try to approach other people because well it might, might be dangerous right because ah. I mean you, you approach some some other person and you never know maybe he's maybe he works with the KGB and stuff right. well I'm exaggerating right, but right. maybe he has some connections and you say your own thing to, to, to him and you end up being investigated right. so, so that was a real thing so, so that was fear fear, fear. The fear and the, the feeling that people are confined and in 70 years that they spent in Soviet Union people learned to mind their own business basically so they don't care about other people's problems they don't care about community because there is no community you know you uh, and the other thing was that state took all the responsibility like all so you you as a citizen you only have to do your work and your family and that's it and so there is no like nobody let's say you work in a huge uh, a, a multi-story building yeah. you don't have to take care about anything besides your own flat because the state was supposed to take care of everything it was very centralized ah. so w what it resulted into this feeling and feeling of being confined this feeling of fear this feeling of not going besides the boundaries that were set for you is that people are very closed into themselves so that's what I like when you're a waiter in, in Ukraine you don't talk because I mean that would be so weird if I, as a, as, a, as a customer, for example, would approach a waiter and just like, not approach, but I mean, after he did the order, if I yeah. asked him, like, where are you from? Actually, are you from the tier? It's, he'd it's feel like so he's different. been interrogated or something. Yeah, he was like, like, why are you doing that? Oh. I mean, it's, um, my, job is, my job is serving you. Yeah. Shut, shut, shut the hell up. <laughs> I mean, don't touch me, you know, it's my, my space and stuff. That's so when I went to US and this attitude, you know, just in general, and this uh, with the customers, and not, not only with the customers, I mean, the just generally the on the streets you know like anywhere in the restaurant i mean you can you can talk to some well of course you would not approach people on the street right and just uh, tap them on the shoulder and ask how how are they but i mean it's so easy to spark a conversation yeah. to meet somebody and just just a random person and i mean and i've got i've, I've even got like some crazy stories about how people are actually nice you know and they they're so open they're just willing to help you without you even asking uh, in, the, in the states in the states that's so crazy okay so a lot of things i want to touch on there because i've been feeling that way here a lot of people random acts of people just helping me figure it the fuck so out asian people yeah. or like expats westerners okay because it's like i've been i've gotten so much help for like nothing where I, in the states as someone in the States, I'm used to people wanting to help me and then want some, you know what I mean? I'm like some panhandler on the street or some guy outside of the Greyhound station being like, hey man, like, where, where can I help you out? And then you're like, oh yeah, and actually my mom is yeah. sick or whatever the fuck. But elaborate on that because for me, as, as someone from the States, I'm probably a little jaded that I don't feel like we're the most friendly people. What was it like for you navigating that landscape um, and maybe give me uh, uh, one of the crazy stories of someone that kind of came through to, well, that you remember. Might not be crazy, maybe I've exaggerated, but yeah. the general, you know, just the general thing that, I mean, I was, a couple of times I was soaking in the rain yeah. on the bus station somewhere that didn't have a, a, a cover <laughs> or something, and I was, I was a 
like, no way I'm gonna pay $15 for a cab or something. Right. So I was just waiting there for a bus which would come in 15 minutes or maybe not come at all, you know, because <laughs> right. of the rain, because it was raining as hell. And people, a couple of times, in three, only in three months, people would just stop, you know, and ask like, do you need a ride? Do you need a ride? I, where do you stay? I mean, like, yeah, yeah, I stay there. Or like, hop on, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get you there. And I'm like, oh, only if you're going that way. I mean, and it, no, I'm not going that way, but I just... <laughs> and one, uh, once, like... To, that, I, to be honest, that is a little crazy, because that's never happened to me before. That's ridiculous. Yes. I mean, that is ridiculous, yes. because I, uh, the experience is so different. But, you know, the thing is that you're from the New York. Uh, right. You're from New York, right. and I, I guess it's different in a huge city. It, it is. It, like, it is. Rather than a small one where I stay. Exactly. But I even had a similar situation in New York. That's what I'm telling you. So... Mm. I stayed on Brighton Beach. I'm not sure if you're aware where the Brighton Beach is. Yeah, yeah. It's a, like it's a Russian slash Soviet Union slash immigrants uh, district in New York. Aha. Uh-huh. I mean, uh, it's called it's called like Russian part of New York yeah. basically, and it it goes to the extent where you actually just go on the street, and there is a Russian sign that says shop and magazine or that says apteka which is, which is a pharmacy uh, in, Ru- in Russian yeah. in there that's great but in New York you have these little pockets yeah. you know and what, what happened to me once was uh, uh, I had my flight to US like in and out of New York the JFK, JFK, JFK yeah, yes JFK, yes yeah. <laughs> and um, on my way back I was carrying besides my suitcase I was carrying a huge box that I had to deliver back to Ukraine and it was it Sounds was serious. So, uh, and of course, I, I didn't take a cab. So, I uh, like I arrived at the bus station from Williamsburg, from where I was, mm. and I had to take a subway to the uh, to the JFK? Uh, to the no no not to the JFK to but to, to Brighton. Ah. Yeah, because I, I had to stay there two or three more nights with a friend. Yeah, and I had this huge box that I just literally couldn't lift. I had to I had to push it, you know, on the ground. And when I ended up, it was, for me, it was pre-smartphone era, you know, like, there were already iPhone, like, it was 2012, there were iPhone oh. 3 and stuff. But like, Uber wasn't, like, popping like oh, that. Oh, man, I mean, Uber was, like, not even conceived in someone's <laughs> mind, yeah, yeah. you know, it was, even, I had an iPod, but it didn't have internet, and it, like, the GPS didn't work there, basically, for me, so, yeah. I had, it, it's not, now it's easy to navigate anywhere, like, you have MapsMe, you, uh, you, have, you have the GPS, the internet, but at that time, I was, I exited the, the, the subway station and I was like where the hell am I going to go I didn't know so I tried like I had some notes you know I had some screenshots of the map whatever I tried to so the thing is that I get this huge box that I had I take out my uh, I take out my laptop from uh, from the from the from my bag and I open my laptop on this box and maybe I can catch some Wi-Fi random Wi-Fi on the street and find some directions yeah and the, one of the guys like looks like a, you know from one of the gangs you know oh. gangster gang but I didn't think about yeah, it this yeah. way I was just so open to everything right. so he approaches me and he's like uh, oh dude what's up you need help and stuff blah blah I say yeah yeah I'm looking for that and he looks very suspicious but I didn't notice that but then a guy approaches me from behind and he's like dude where are you going and I say I need this address go on I'll take you there so he's just like randomly there is my car. And he says to the other guy that approached me first, like, just get lost. And he said, I was, the, 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 the second guy said, I was just looking at you at the way you opened your laptop because I had a suitcase and a huge box. So if something happened, I couldn't just run, you right. know? So, and I said, I was, the guy said, I'm pretty sure that guy was about to steal your laptop because it was just, just take it and run because yeah. he saw you had luggage yeah. with you. So he's like, uh, oh, geez, I didn't notice that. So he said, yeah, just get in the car, I'll get you to the place. 
So he like, he gets my huge box, gets it into the car, I get my luggage, get it into the car, and just like, the place turned out to be like five minutes drive, but he gets me just near the door, and like, he was from Albania, so he was an immigrant, too, you know, he had, he had a huge, like, stuff, but, but it's just, I mean, this mood. Yes. I'm pretty sure that not too many people do that in Albania, right, right. but when they come to U.S., right. somehow they feel the need to connect and to uh, help each other. Absolutely. So. Um, and, uh, point towards the uh, yeah, I feel like there's an element to that where, as an immigrant, for in New York, it's such there's such a huge immigrant population yeah. that, and for other you know Russian folks or or you know Eastern Europeans, they probably can be like, you can probably like spot each other pretty easily, yeah. and then also there's a sense of community there of being like understanding that life is just so much harder for you as an immigrant that like they're, they're probably like. Let me help you whatever way I can so that you don't go through the same pitfalls, you know what I mean? That, that I think that's actually, really th that is definitely the thing because uh, most, a lot of people actually try to help each other when they become immigrants. Right. They, of course, they stick to communities because it's just easier, you know, and it's, a lot of people don't want to leave their zone of comfort, you right. know, they don't want to learn language and stuff. But the thing is that what is actually really, really well known about the ex, the immigrants from the post-Soviet countries like Ukraine, Russia, and Belarus, that even when they move, they tend, instead of helping each other, they tend to fuck each other over, actually, for it, some reason. Is it because of the fear mentality? It's you because think? of it's the mentality. So one of the, it's not because of the fear mentality, but, you know, the, well, one of the parts of mentality was that, like, basically, you're, how, how to say that? Scare, so there's you, a you're, scarcity there's, mindset that there's not enough to go around? That, yeah, that definitely is the thing. Mm -hmm. And then... It just, it just was, it, it was like that, you know, so there was no, how do you say, it? no sense of justice, you know, like, especially uh. in the post-Soviet post period, there was, it, when everything collapsed, there was nothing, in the, there was no, basically, like, there was government, but no, that, that's why you, uh, you see so many movies about mobs, right. Russian and Ukrainian mobs, just because that was the truth, you know, you couldn't do, it was like, worse than Italian mafia, like, there was no order, there were just gangs and uh. stuff. So you would learn, you know, that there is, there is no justice for you. You can only rely on yourself, uh. so you can't rely on the state. So that's where it's come from. And you just, people just tend to fuck each other over because yeah. there is no respect. And in general, what I can say about Ukrainian mentality now is that the difference between Ukrainian mentality and, let's say, mentality in Ukraine or uh, in, sorry, in Europe or in U.S., is that when I was in U.S. or whenever I go to Europe, even for like two weeks or something, I feel like I'm being treated as a human being by everyone. Whereas when I go back to Ukraine, sometimes if a person has a little bit of authority, a little bit of authority, she's like, yeah, you're shit. I mean, you're shit and I'm going to treat you like shit because you have no rights. You can't do anything to me. That's one of the parts of the mentality because in Soviet Union nobody had any rights, right? You, everybody was like basically like slaves with extra steps, as we could call it. Basically. Damn. So that's where it comes from, you know. When when you when you use like as Roman, you know, Roman people said, there is no slave owner worse than the guy who used to be a slave himself. Right. So that's what's happening in Ukraine. And that's why they tend to fuck each other over oh. because they were fucked over so much that that's just the only way of living that they know. That's a really interesting point. Okay, so Vadim, um, so, and how old are you? Uh, I'm 24. 24. So how many years did, did, you spend, did you spend all 24 years in Ukraine 
growing yeah, basic, up? Yeah, yeah, yeah. My, my whole life, like I moved there when I was one year old. So basically since then, uh, I, the whole my life was, was in Ukraine. It was in Ukraine. And so growing up in Ukraine, um, you know, as a young man, it sounds like a pretty intense, cold, authoritative place. <laughs> um, how did, uh, but you are someone that I feel like is just from a little time I've known you, very good natured, um, very friendly. How did that environment, do you think, impact you growing up? Did you have, were you bullied a lot and you're like, yo, fuck it, this is not the life for me? Were you someone that you felt like you adapted well to the culture and sort of dealt with it? What was, what's, what's, it's so far from what I know. What was life growing up there for you like? Well, maybe it's, you know, I'm, of course, I'm, uh, I'm over-exaggerating like a little bit about all this stuff because, no, of, of no, course, I, I am, yeah, I yeah. am, that definitely, definitely is true, you know, it's not as cold, you know, it's not as, everything is not as grumpy and, and gray, it's there because it, in general, you know, the feel is, but uh, when, I, when I was growing up, I was a kid, you know, I was a kid and I had my family, which was which was good. Tell me about I, your family, mom, dad. Yeah, my brothers. mom, my dad. I mean, the the family thing in Ukraine is super. Like it's it's part of the culture. Oh. It's just you know people. Uh, in uh, even in Soviet Union, they one of the propaganda piece, uh, like one of the directions of propaganda was actually the family that you have to stay at your family, and they call the family is uh, the building brick of of the society. That's that was one of the propaganda phrases of the Soviet Union. So that's that's what that's how it evolved. That uh, you stay at your family and you don't like. There is no such thing as co co-working events, you know, like networking in, in really? Soviet Union. There was no such thing. So you stay at your family and your work, and that's your life. And Did so that's one thing. And the and second, stuff? yeah, well, there yeah. you have friends, oh, okay, but friends okay. from work, friends from school. Oh, but, but you don't make it. friends like at the mall. Oh yeah, definitely. Oh, wow. Okay. And uh, that's the first uh, thing. And the second thing is that just culturally, you know, even before Soviet Union, Ukrainian tradition of family is very solid. You know, it's family is the most important thing even before. So you tend to stick more with your family and stuff. So my family was nice. My school was good. You know, so uh, I was in the best school in town. And oh, I dope. yeah. And uh, when I when I grew up, when I was growing up, those like dark, you know, and uh, those uh, unorganized and mob times, they were gone, so I don't remember it. My parents remember it, but I only know that from their stories and from people, tell, not from movies, of course, but from what actually people, the stories that they tell, how they had to do business there yeah. and stuff. So the times where I grew up, they were more peaceful. So I was feeling okay, but the thing is, of course, as growing up there, I was a product of that society as well. And that is why I was so astonished when I got to US, because before I traveled, but I never actually, I was 17 when I got to US. And that was oh, the wow. first time that I stayed somewhere for such a long time on my own as well. And where, you know, where I lived and had work and had my place, yeah. you know, and, and do the commute, you know, and have a bus and stuff. And so that was the first time, and that's when I realized, you know, we, uh, that difference, how huge is that difference? And not actually, not even when I went to US, because you get used to good stuff really, really, really quickly. Right. But the huge difference that struck me, I noticed it when I came back, and when I realized how different it is. Uh. And I can say that I haven't been the same person since. Like, you, you I mean, I, I have to leave there, right? And, on the, on the most part, and the generally, most people are still nice, right? You, you, like, you get some shit quite often from time to time, but generally the, the, you get used to that. Yeah. But then 
but still every time I go to Europe for like even two weeks I come back and I see that difference I can feel it yeah but then I it's me because I've spent so much time abroad you know and like that's the and that's the life choice that the, the, the problem is that most people are comfortable with that because that's who they are that's they're, they're the society exactly. who formed that 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 environment yes. so they're comfortable with that with sparking each other over with no with not showing any respect you know with so that's how it is but you can still I at this point can I say that I feel different uh, of course, I, I don't. I'm not. Don't want to condescend and stuff. I yeah. can. I don't look up and don't look down on people. Right, right. There's no way. But I understand why they ended up like that. But let's say when I, I, I can confront some of the societal like and issues and issues of the mentality, and just tr I try to show people that yeah. there is a reason why country is as it is, why the things are as they are, and it's not because something, something, something. It's because what's here in, in your mind. So right. that's why what, that's why I try to show people. That you can you can like, yeah. edit it. Yeah. So. And so I think part of it is and also how are we doing on time? We have like fifteen minutes. 15? Okay, cool. 10, um, 10. Is that you said that having that awareness just that you to leave but you can only see it when you leave. And then you come back when and you I can see it because yeah, you're, yeah. it's like it's water. When you're a fish, you're swimming in it. It's just invisible to you yeah. until you get out. And then you're like, oh, fuck, I was in water the whole time. But I think part of it is in the States, one of our issues is that we don't, um, we don't have a real emphasis on travel. Like it's something that everybody wants to do, but it's like, oh, when I have a lot of money after this job, I'll go. I'll go live on a beach and slurp pina coladas. It's not like it is where I was born in New Zealand, and so I actually went back about almost a decade ago now, which is nuts. But um, I realized there that after high school, often people are encouraged to go travel around that same time, 17, 18, when you're kind of coming into adulthood. You're encouraged, I think, in a lot of European countries too, you know, European, Australian, New Zealand, whatever, to like, they're like, go see some shit for a little bit, you know, like, go experience some of the world just to, you learn so much traveling. And so for you, what kind of, is that, is that typical Ukrainian fashion to leave home at 17, 18 and go see the world? Or is that just kind of you stepping out on your own? That's actually a very good question. The thing is that it's, it's not at all like that mm. well the first thing is uh, about I, I do agree with you that's the thing that uh, US as the society misses a lot you yes. know that this mentality towards traveling like I've been traveling for almost for basically for seven months now and uh, like you meet a lot of Europeans like shitload right. of Europeans like Britain and, and Germany and Norway. So I met so many like Germans Italian. so far. Yeah. Germans and British, they're basically flooded. They're, they're flooded. <laughs> yes. But you ask, I mean, there's some reasons maybe because you're just far away from everything. Maybe that's one of the reasons. Maybe there is a reason that there is just so, so much stuff to see in the U.S. itself that you just don't need that's to travel. A, that's a really nice of you to say. Yeah. Here's my two cents is I think part of it is we're so privileged that um, we don't have to. And we're also the only people whose language everybody else has yeah. to learn. So it's kind of a shame because we're the ones that kind of should go travel to see what we're putting everybody else through. Just yeah. to, you know what I mean? Like yeah. here, I, I realized that I'm so all the jobs for teaching, they want native English speakers. All the signs are going to be in Thai and then also English. Like it's, 
it's it blows my mind just how we're the only country that we only have to learn one language. And you that's and Britain and Australia yeah, and New Zealand. Right, right, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. But still, I think sometimes like in their that's culture. That's so much. That's yes. actually, that's, I mean, just the struggle. The struggle of, I mean, now it's easy to me to speak English, but I, when I remember 10 years ago how much struggle I had to go <laughs> yes. through, what kind of an ordeal it was, you know, at that young age, without any environment, you know, without people to practice, was way, way before internet was as popular as it is now with all the apps and stuff and websites. Yeah. You had to actually like sit and you had, you just I had like five, person? five, I had five books. I had to, yeah, I had to have a real teacher. <laughs> I had five books that I had to go through a couple of times a week with the lessons to learn it, you know, so it definitely is. For what it's worth, yeah. it definitely paid off because your yeah. English is great. Yeah. Thanks, man. And so for, for the listeners, we're about to go watch Deadpool 2. So I have to keep this one a little bit shorter. Um, we're sitting in a mall, first of all. So I also apologize for the noise. Uh, not too long ago, an uh, uh, older gentleman drove by us on uh, what looked like a dinosaur motorcycle. So take that as you will. Um, but I want to get in. There's so much life in there that I want to get into. Unfortunately, we don't have the time. What I do want to tackle, because I think it is interesting, I'm also curious about it, is yeah. how, what sparked your, for this past seven months, what sparked your um, your motivation to go on this adventure? And how has the adventure been so far? For now that you're seven months into it, what sparked the idea and what's it yeah, been uh, like? Oh man, that's the story that shouldn't be started five minutes before uh, Deadpool, that's uh, yes, for sure. Yes, that's yes. a whole other story, but uh, it, just to cut it short, what sparked me is was, uh, I could say, a mental and moral dead end. Oh. At, well, what I want to do with my life. That's like what I want my life to look like. Like I had no idea at all. Yeah. You know, I was, what uh, were you doing at the time? Uh, the thing is that I, I was feeling perfectly fine because my life was, I mean, my family is well, uh, like, is well off. Oh, okay. So I had no financial struggles and I had a pretty decent job myself. So I was, economically, I was like uh, above, high, high, high above the, aver the average in Ukraine. And so you could say that, that I had... 90% of what 90% people want, you know, and I could... What, do, what was the job that you were doing at the time? Uh, the same I do now. Oh. I just did it from home. Oh, yeah. oh. So I had, I mean, I had f completely flexible schedule. I was working from home. I had oh. plenty of money, enough money for everything. Of course, unless I wanted to buy like a house or right, something, right. of course, but not, not luxurious, but for issue. decent middle-class life. <coughs> Sorry, that was enough. Yeah. But I, I, in terms of, you know, some people, when they don't have that, they just, that's the only image in their life they have, so they think that when they get that, it's fine, and they just don't think about anything, anything else. But me, I had that, and I felt like there's, there's still something lacking, you know, some general picture, like, I don't know what I want with, with my life and stuff. So, just, and just, you know, I, I can't say that I was depressed, but it was definitely moving towards that. For somebody, I just didn't know, you know, I didn't see any future for myself. And well, stuff. That's interesting. What, what, were your, what were you doing for fun? Like, was there anything, you're like, oh I man, was, if I could do these hobbies and I do was, whatever. the thing is that I was doing so, so much hobbies. I was playing tennis. I was, as I said, I played guitar, so I did music a lot. I did salsa, you know, and stuff. And I did, I, I did, I did cycling. So I did plenty of stuff. Like, I, the concept, the concept of free time was unknown to me because because all of my time was free. I worked not because I had to, but because I wanted to. Oh. So I woke up and worked, and then let's say the whole sec part of the day was free, and I never spent it. You know, I, I never had time where I had nothing to do, you know, because I had. I was besides all everything that I listed. I also uh, I also liked to read a lot, so I read a lot. I watched movies. I studied because I like like to 
learn new right. things. So I did photography. I started learning photography. So I went to YouTube. I went to buy and download some courses. Yes. So I did this. So my life was busy, but still, you know, some general idea that I would get all of the. I did so many stuff. Maybe that's one of the reasons. But so oh. there was no like pivotal point in my life. Not something that would collect all of that together. Oh. So uh, I, w I went looking for something. I didn't know what, but I can say in that in in I was planning to travel until the end of this year. But it's it's been half through that, through that, uh, through way, half through that, throughout <laughs> the way. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> and uh, I think that I'm done. That I've found what I was looking for, at least at this point. Okay. Of life. And so that's what we can talk about next time. Right? Oh <laughs> fuck! That's that's the hook. Oh my god! That's what I need to yeah. know. Okay. So, oh my god, yo, you got me so hooked. I'm like, fuck the movie. I just want to hear this. No, because um, I know we do got to go soon, but. Just so that we don't leave the listeners a total, total blue balls, you just give us a little teaser on what it is that you now seven months. First of all, I think that's beautiful that you that you had a loose goal. Oh, I'm traveling for the year, but you ended up making so many discoveries that you said, I found what I wanted, yeah. and I don't have to do some arbitrary number of time abroad. I was. I've, what is some of what you've stumbled on that you found that, that, that is the purpose? Well, let's say one of the... Well, I, I went through some of the turmoils, the mental ones and just the physical with the problems that I had with the health problems and stuff because first three months of travel were hard. And uh, I mean, just in three months, I think one of the most important things that I realized quite randomly on, uh, with this travel is... Uh, general framework I could create a general framework of how my life how I want my life to look because yes. the problem is like as I said I was doing so much stuff I like doing so much stuff and when you especially when you travel you meet people in the hostels and I did that before too you realize how huge this life is now right. because even our parents they just didn't have that many options like they on they saw their life you know as a, as a path Linear. so they would yeah you, you would end like you would do the school you would do the university if you're lucky then job and then retire I mean but we now we end up in the situation where you can do there's so much stuff. You can become a digital nomad. You can travel. You can travel. You can study on your own. You can basically get most of the professions just from home. Then you can volunteer abroad. That you can do right. the exchange stuff, and then yes. you can study as well, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And just you get so lost. And as I said, after after these three months, what I realized is that I, I was doing. You know, I was as, a tra as while traveling, I was doing so much stuff because you do so much exciting stuff, meet people, see new things, and somewhere throughout the way I realized that maybe doing so much stuff all the time is not what I want you know yeah that maybe there is that what I want is basically what would a lot of people disregard now as simple life because in reality what right. I want you know some uh, as like central point of my life has to be the simplest one so I have to have a family a place that I would call home right children just you know that's what a lot of people are afraid of and just just the work that i love you know right. and i don't have to like uh, ambitions are one thing i have a lot of them and but you don't have to shoot for heaven in everything so what i realize is that the simplest the simplest way of life maybe it's it is so popular because it's just the best for most <laughs> right. of the people and i realized and i was able to accept that this is also the way for me. That I I don't have to try to you know as we call reinvent the bicycle, be right. different. Right. If what I actually need inside intuitively is this basic form of life. 
So, as I said, I don't know how my life will look. I don't know where I live, where I will live, who I will live with, you know, whether I will have a family. But the thing is that I got, a, as I said, general framework that this is how my life should look like. And now, from now on, I can build into that framework instead of just getting loose anywhere and going in 10 directions at once. I have this thing that I can paint my life all over. Bro, people can't see me. But bro, that is a gem on gem on gem, 110%, I couldn't agree more. It's having that self-awareness to know what makes you happy and then reverse engineering it to actually do more often what makes you happy and what that is. It doesn't, in the States, everybody wants to be famous because we see all the flashy stuff yeah. of the athletes or whatever. If I think of a lot of people stepped back and said, what really makes you happy? You realize, if you, why do you want the fame? Is it maybe the attention or the money? Okay, I give you all the money uh, that Jennifer Lopez has. Why do you want all the money? Yeah. Oh, because you wanted to, nice house. Why do you want a nice house? Because you actually want to impress people for one reason. So if you, if you really psychologically break it down and then follow those paths deep and just keep just chipping away at why these are, a lot of the times it's a sense of belonging I think that people have or don't, and that's what we lack, or a sense of purpose. And I think that, like you said with the work, is a lot of times we have ambitions of we want to be famous, but it's just because what those people are doing, they live such a full life, or maybe sometimes not, you yeah. know, a lot of stuff yeah. that don't, but just th that appearance of having a life that's very driven with purpose, that you can do more often what you love to do It is possible, you, it just, you have to have, you, you to live simply. You can't try to make a million dollars and also like just play table tennis all the time. Yeah. Maybe you can find a way to play table tennis, teach lessons online or teach yeah. lessons and like, and you, but then you get to spend so much of your days playing table tennis, you're gonna be happy, you know? <laughs> and that, you have, like, and the thing, you have a family which you love. Right. I mean, and you come back to a place What is, that is your home, you know, and that, that is feeling that can't be substituted with anything. Right. I mean, I see a lot of people who travel around the world for many years, you know, and I, uh, who says, well, I can't imagine myself settling anywhere. And I mean, I understand that might be good for some people, but for me, I just, it gets me scared, you know, not having a sense of belonging anywhere. It's I, kind of scary to I, me. I, I'm with you 100%. I'm a traveler that I don't, I'm not the constant traveler type of guy. That's why I was telling you in Chiang Mai, I like to go see places, parts of the world, and then having that self-awareness to know I'm a creature of routine. Yeah. I like knowing the fruit lady at the market. I like going to the vegetable guy who gives me half price because I get my carrots from him. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and so I like that idea of, of traveling and seeing new places, but then posting up for a little while and being like, let me take this in a little bit and yeah, kind yeah. of, and I'm with you 110%. I don't see myself traveling forever and ever. Of, For me, I know in my heart of hearts, having a family and having a partner are some of the most important parts of life that I'm looking High forward five. to. High five. High <laughs> five. So think we got just go, as an epilogue, yeah. just as an epilogue before you finish yeah. this, I would like uh, to people who are listening to us, who will listen to us eventually, I would like to recommend a book by Somerset Moham, I think I, I pronounced that right, which is called Of Human Bondage. It's a... Uh, I was thinking a lot about that. I read that book like five years ago, but I was thinking about it a lot when I made that self-discovery, that mm. discovery about myself. 
it's basically it's a huge it's it's a huge book. It's one of those books that you can kill with because it's so big. It's <laughs> like 800 pages or something. Steal that. That's a yeah. dope analogy. But uh, it's a basically it's 800 pages of a story about a guy from his childhood until his like 50s uh, until his adult life, and it's a story of him looking for himself. So he goes through a lot of turmoils. He tries different professions and stuff just to find himself the way he would be happy. So. And he eventually he meets on his quest for happiness and for his life, for meaning of life. On his way, he finds a, a man who's like a wise man uh -huh. who's, who tells him, and he asks him, what is the meaning of life? And the man tells him, look at this Persian, like carpet from Persia, right? And he's like, what about it? When the time comes, you will understand. And after, after many years, after having some love affairs, the dramatic ones, the one that novels are about, what he does is he becomes a doctor, eventually, after like, of course, 10 years of studying, he ends up in a small village, he marries a girl, which specifically is mentioned in the book, the girl that he doesn't love, but he, to which, her, he doesn't love passionately, but to, to whom he has a deep affection. So he has this kind of simple life. He has a, his home, he has a family, and he has work that he loves and something that he finds meaning is. And then, like, he, he understands what the wise guys say. You look at the Persian carpet, so what about it? It has a very simple picture on it. So what? So the thing is that the most simple picture is the most beautiful one, uh. in most cases. So that's a book, that's what I was thinking about. So maybe. Maybe this simple way of life is so popular just because it is like it is fitting for most of us. I'm not yes. saying for I'm not saying everybody should live that way, but, but that's as I said, that's the book. Maybe if somebody got interested, yeah. she should read the book. I'm gonna I'm gonna after this, I'll in my post episode, I'll link it in the show notes, yeah. so I can link to your social media or anything you want, and then I'll also link to this book. I I'll I'll have to read it. I think that that in the states, I'm not sure about other places, but in the states. Yet with capitalism the way it works, we're forced, not forced, but we're encouraged to chase more. Yeah, that's... And it's so often the opposite that, that I think really makes us happy. But we get so caught up in the bills of car and auto insurance and having a big home and blah, 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 that you work the stupid job you hate, whatever, whatever, that you miss that Persian carpet shit because you're so caught up in all this having to have more, that if you took a step back, realized you didn't need half or three, two thirds of it, that you could spend more time or on things, you, or with the people that you really love and care about. You don't appreciate what you have exact, because you are taught to, that you need more exact, to be happy. Exactly. Whereas in reality, you don't. That's the point. The, this is the person you have it. Most 90% of people <laughs> have what they need, just like, just stop for a second right. look at your feet what yeah. you have there and then think about it yeah and learn to appreciate it and learn to, and that's another part yeah. of the battle yeah because it doesn't come easily it's a hundred percent i'm still working on the active appreciation yeah. part sometimes <laughs> i'm i was telling uh vadim before this i was getting pissed off of some bullshit in my kitchen but um i'm appreciating <laughs> i'm here i'm appreciating yeah. we're gonna see deadpool let's go get it dude honestly it was an absolute pleasure thank you so thank much for coming on pleasure Talking Yo, to you as well. My man. Yeah. Thank you so much. Hopefully and we do one in a month. Yes. <laughs> in a month. I, I'd love that. In a month, people, stay tuned for part two. Thank you for tuning in. If you want to get at this man, I'll have all the shit linked in the show notes. And I'll find that book and link it too. Check that out. Thanks, guys. All right. Enjoy. All right. Peace. Thanks, man. <laughs>